Welcome to the Henry and Brendan Show. Role play. One, two, three, four. A lot. Comes from like I, from like I, I feel. Give us your money. I don't care what other people do. It's awful. Never do it bad. <laughs> Jeez, that's cringe. <laughs> but you know it's more cringe? What's that? Self help. <coughs> Why are self help books cringe? It's not self so self help books aren't cringe. Yes. Okay. I agree. I've read a lot of them. I just thought it was one of my favorite books is a self help book. Mm-hmm. But over the last few few weeks I've been reading a few. Um and I really am just so annoyed with the, the capitalist materialistic overtones and undertones in every single one of these stupid books. And it's like, I'm explain where that came from. Like, okay, what, what are you sure about specifically? So, you have some self help books like The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. We could not give a rat's ass about business or about life or money or anything else right and it's refreshing yeah but then i read the five second rule by mel robbins it's a good book but every five seconds it's about how you can apply this thing to your business to your leadership skills to your your financial picture Mm -hmm. and it's like i'm not trying to downplay the significance of that in a lot of people's lives right it's just so boring. Every book that I read in this space, I've read two that are uh, 12 Rules for Life, Can't Hurt Me, and then I guess uh, The Power of Now, if you could call that a self-help book. Right. But it's like, I'm looking for like, I'm looking for like fundamental mindset things that can operate inside of themselves. It's a complete thought. The idea of the I mean, power of now are for philosophy books than they are self-help. Well, that's true, but like, uh, can there not be self-help books that don't involve something about being a better leader or a better boss or a better business owner or a better capitalist? Like, it's just so frustrating. So, like, oh well, look at all this. Ver- look, I'm reading the book quiet right now, yeah. and it's like, oh well, look at all of this, this, you know, all these virtuous things about being an introvert, and how that could make you a better business leader. And it's like. <laughs> Shut up, dude. So I'd be interested. So do you think it is? I think it kind of sounds like primary audience, author, like survivorship. That's where they're coming from. That's their point of view. And um, just general market like reasoning behind some sure. right? Like sure. the general audience is probably business owners for self-help. Absolutely. The authors are probably all business owners yep. trying to pass 100%. on that information. And then obviously the market is capitalist. And so high selling books sure. are ones that can help you implement a strategy to right. uptick your capitalist suits, right? Totally. And I'm not, I'm not downplaying the value of these things. Right. It's just the, the fact that you can't have a personal virtue or a a skill that you're developing unless it's justified with that component. You're right. It's like, I think that's rampant throughout the culture in general, though. 
The culture that you and I live in is completely rampant. You don't say, well, so there's a lot of things that you can say, I'm doing this, and no one expects you to make a business out of it, but there are a primary example of a lot of things of like, I just started baking. You should open a bakery. You should open a bakery. It's like maybe my passion isn't running a business. Maybe my passion is baking bread for my friends. And yeah, I, I, there's there's a, a few things that want to. Doesn't kind of happen necessarily with music as much. I feel. I feel like we generally so accept it. It doesn't happen with artistry a lot because yeah. people think it's a but pipe dream. It does with unrealistic. It does with writing. It can do with writing. When you yeah. talk about writing a book, no one ever asks you, oh, or no one ever says, "Oh, that's fun." Like you can just enjoy your writing because it seems like there's. And then go to that. Well, because I think when people say, I find it's interesting. when I think people say write a book, I think they, when what they mean is I'm going to write a book and then publish a book and then have this, this, you know, asset that is this book and that book is going to sell. Like it's implied when you say I'm going to write a book. Why is that implied? All because, is, because the, I think that society wants to push everyone in that direction. That's what I'm saying. And it's so like that, but that one intrinsically shouldn't be it should be the same as oh i just took a painting i agree that that would be better and this is why I'm, this is where my my uh critique of the space lies now there's one element that i think is important to touch on and that's that people want to take advice from people who have achieved the things that they value and a lot of people in the world want to achieve these material successes and i don't think there's anything fundamentally wrong with wanting to have material success or do well in your career or want to own a business. I'm not trying to, to be critical of any of those things. It's the amount of volume and the fact that, like you said, you can't just want to write a book because people want you to sell the book. And I don't think it's very much, I don't think it's about you being happy or the person being happy because if you use a different example in that same category like let's say why aren't we that that supportive people who want to be painters it's because while painting something amazing is not easier or harder than writing a book monetizing a painting can be more challenging than monetizing a book becoming a famous singer or a famous actor or successful in those fields the social standard for success in those fields is you can't just be an author that makes $45,000 a year mm-hmm. and lives a normal life and retires. You have to be a successful author. What does it mean to be a successful author? Well, you have to be rich as an author. If you want to be an actor, you can't be in these B-list movies. You got to be on the you need to be in the next MCU. You got to be a, a, a famous actor that has all these accolades. And so a lot of the books I think are trying to and I think there are, a lot of their intentions are, are well. There's there's a few books that I think are just absolutely awful, and they're just trying to get you to manipulate yourself and others. But mm-hmm. like if you look at this quiet book, the, the purpose of this book is like, hey, business owner, hey, leader who is introverted and struggles to live in an extroverted world, this is how you can do your thing. Why, why being an introvert is a good thing mm-hmm. in those spaces. But I think I'm way more valuable and, and to... to to be fair, I haven't finished the book, so I could touch on these things. But the thing I'm thinking about when I'm reading this book is that we don't need to accommodate introverts. We don't need to make space for them. We just need to leave them alone. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm getting from this book is like, 
there's something that's that's I think that societally we put a way too much emphasis on the benefits of extroversion. Mm-hmm. Having some sort of awareness of the benefits of introversion is, yeah. I think, the purpose of this book and really is this. doing a great job. Yeah. But it just feels like it devalues the 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 humble introvert that wants to work in an office and not talk to anybody who wants to work a normal life and and not take a position of leadership and not trying to be a successful business owner and not trying to do these things because it almost paints this picture as if you have to do those things to be marked as a successful person. And that I think is my overall frustration. And in these self-help books, I don't feel like we point to that enough. Yeah. Even if you look at like, books like the sub blog and not giving a fuck or whatever mm. it's still pointing a lot to these like material forms of success if you look at um there was this book about sleeping with your mouth open or, or breathing through your mouth and why why that is a huge problem and it still had to find a way about being a better leader and a better business <laughs> owner it's like can i not just get a book about the 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 like implications of breathing with your mouth open. Like, why does it have to have this like weird career driven? Yeah. Hit, like, and I get that it's just trying to apply. That's a real book. You didn't just make that up. Yes, it's a real book. Um, and it's it, wild to me. <laughs> it's like, and there was so much thing, so many things that were cool about it. Like how breathing through your mouth is actually really, really bad for you. And that um, a lot of uh, teeth issues are related to mouth breathing. And like dental issues and like um, all sorts of, of, of things. And it just finds a way to flip it into, oh, and if you, you breathe through your nose, you'll be more focused, which means you'll be a better business owner. <laughs> it's like, can we not, can we, I, I love, I love the entrepreneurial spirit in this, in this world. Mm-hmm. And especially in the United States. And I, the, everyone I know who's a business owner, I adore. It takes a special kind of person to run a business and I think that right. there's something to learn and I've been in a position of, of that business ownership and a lot of my job is reflective of that ownership type of workload and that structuring and all those things but I think that people should be allowed to not want that and I feel like as a society we push people so far to like oh if you love what you do you'll never work a day in your life yeah I think that's actually kind of a toxic way of thinking because it, it in encourages this idea that if you don't love your job that you're living a terrible life right and it's like maybe there's some adjustment that you can make to make your life better by being in a job that you like more but like what we talked about the other day sometimes work is a means to an end and maybe Mm -hmm. maybe your job you don't love but the structure of your job allows you to do what you want outside of your job yeah and you don't need to work 80 hours a week doing what you love if you can work 30 just fine and then spend the other hundred hours of your of your you know week being engaged with those things that you really care about and and i just i i look at this like pursuit of all of this this material success is just a a a total waste of time if you're doing it so that you can eventually reach this point of 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 actualization or purpose or whatever when it's like if you just did the thing you knew you actually wanted to do in the first place, regardless of if it had any monetary complication, regardless of if, if you'd be successful doing it. I, I just think the standards of, of what is successful are just so uh, personal and so determined by the individual. And a lot of these self-help books 
are challenge that in an unhealthy way because mm-hmm. it doesn't understand the nuance of the individual. Right. And a lot of people are very impressionable with this stuff because, well, I adore Jordan Peterson and he is doing really well. And so maybe I should listen to what he's saying, but yeah. maybe you, you're already like completely overwhelmed and in over your head and like, you don't need to go implement rule 17 yet. Yeah. You're not there. Right. And I think Jordan Peterson is a bad example. Actually, I think he does a brilliant job at illustrating scale, but like the five second rule, great concept. Why do we have to, why, why can't we leave some of this businessy materialistic stuff out of it every once in a while? And I think it's because people wouldn't buy it. And I think that it doesn't, right. The, the type well, of person who read a self help book mm-hmm. is an achieving type of person. It's the type of person who's trying to become better. Right. And a lot of those types of people end up in those sectors of ownership and, and right. whatnot. Yeah, for sure. And I think it's, it's the boom of it is in the ease of producing it, right? Like mm-hmm. you see so many yeah. more because we're in kind of like a publishing boom where you can self-publish things right. very easily and stuff like that. But yeah, no, I think you're right. I think we push towards ownership. It's hard to own a business. It's not just something you just should do. Most, most people aren't meant to own businesses. Right. Both, both my parents own their own businesses and it is hard. What I've seen of it is hard. And I don't see a lot of it either. So well, this it's, is one, it's a difficult thing and I don't think everyone's for it. And so I think you're right. I think pushing that way. I'm just interested in why it yeah. happens more than it's, anything. It's probably just because it sells. I think it, I think, it, I think well, I don't, I, I don't, I don't want to paint this picture as if these are, these authors are all motivated to brainwash you into some mm-hmm. high selling materialistic propaganda. Oh yeah. That's not what I'm trying to say. Um, say like, right. See the trend of and to, 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 self-help books have a business element. I'm writing a self-help book. I'm going to add business element to it. Sure. And, 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 and I will say if, if you take the five second rule book as I did as an example, um, it's like, oh, I'm afraid to get on a plane. Five, four, three, two, one, get up and go get on the plane. Mm-hmm. It is brilliant. It, it is a brilliant thing. And there was a time in my life where it was really helpful to me. It just almost feels like it's just irritating to me. I don't know that I have a good reason. Right. You know, it's just it's just frustrating because I think there's there's just I feel like people suffer unnecessarily because they're trying to achieve these standards that they cannot meet, that they don't care about meeting. Mm-hmm. Like if I were to re- redact my or change my statement that I made a long time about the cold showers and the extreme position I'd have. It's like, yeah. if you want to take cold showers, you should have that level of dedication, yeah. but you should challenge whether or not that's something you actually care about and understanding how to prioritize is really important. And if you rather be an artist than be a business owner, then be an artist. Mm-hmm. And if you want to be a business owner, be a business owner. Yeah. And this, this life is so, so short and so incomplete that you're going to spend so much of your life trying to get to this place that you don't even know if you like mm-hmm. because you feel like the social contagion is pushing you into that direction. Right. And I, I, I don't know the solution because I think a lot of what the proposed solutions um, are too lax, have no accountability. I think that there is something to say about a social responsibility for some people who don't want to own businesses that maybe should own businesses or own organizations. What do you think of a, what do you think is an example of someone that has a social responsibility to own a business that doesn't want to? Maybe not own a business, but um, 
okay, so let, let's say, like, philanthropy, right? Yeah. It's like, let's use Elon Musk, for example. Yeah. He has all of the resources available to him to make whatever change that he wants to do. Yeah. And he doesn't have to honor the social responsibility. This is completely up to him. Yeah. But there's something to be said about creating a society where we encourage those who have the resources to create change for the better of the society that they're in. In fact, this is the biggest argument for capitalism and low taxes is that if we don't tax people, that's what they'll do. Yeah. And so I think there's people that could have so much impact if they took more control over the reins. Mm -hmm. And I, I think this is a choice that they should make and we shouldn't make for them. Right. But I think that, that like Bill Gates is doing all this stuff with, trying to do all these, getting vaccines to all these different places in the world. And it's like, that's because of this feeling of obligation and the social responsibility to have the ownership because you're capable of doing it. And I think that uh, people should try and pursue what their capacity is. And I think a lot of people undercut what their capacity is and they settle. And I think if they're settling for something that they enjoy or that gives them meaning, that's fine. But I think a lot of people settle for things they don't enjoy when they pushed a little bit more and it's tricky because I, I don't know if this is, it's so I'm trying to be vague enough to apply it to somebody who yeah. is resonating with this. Yeah. But my, my question then is like, what, what level do you think you gain social responsibility over individual responsibility? I don't think they're independent from each other. I just think, you think that, that a person who is destitute has a social responsibility as well. I think that if somebody has a independent personal responsibility to do what they can to leave an imprint on the world, that that bleeds into their social responsibility as well. Okay, but I'm I'm questioning whether or not you know like a person if that doesn't bring anyone joy to bleed into other people's lives because I don't think the ultimate pursuit is joy. Okay, meaning meaning that if you're capable of of reducing the suffering of others, that you should engage in that conflict in the way that you are capable of engaging in it. Now, some people can't do that in a healthy way. Some people can't have the boundaries. So you're saying capability creates responsibility. Y yes. Okay. With great power comes great right. responsibility, That's right? Yeah. That's what I'm saying. And I, I think that I'm trying not to have a... Uncle Ben's Myers Briggs and Enneagrams. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I bet you he's a one wing something and an ISTJ. Yeah, that sounds maybe right. Just because that's a lot of advisory characters as we were talking about before. I'm I'm trying not to have an extreme position here. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm just interested in like what uh what stage you think that social responsibility becomes. And it seems to be with capabilities. And I, I don't want to say that it means more than those who have the capacity for less. Yeah. But it's like, I'll use it like a biblical example. Like imagine if Moses did nothing. He didn't want to do it. Mm -hmm. But there was, a, there was a component that was bigger than himself and he had the capacity for it. And so he was granted to it. Right. And he obeyed. You bring it to the nerd example. It's Frodo. Frodo. Exactly. He exactly. Felt, he like felt Frodo. social responsibility to take the ring because no one else could or would. And so I, I think that business can't operate in those, that context. Mm. 
philanthropy can offer operate in that context. Yeah, absolutely. But I also think there's something important about understanding what gives you life and understanding what you're responsible to do. And mm -hmm. sometimes they are not the same. Hmm. When they are the same, that's a powerhouse of influence and that's awesome. You know, I think it's really cool that people have been able to connect those two dots. Right. But like, I love Lord of the Rings. It's my, it's a, my place of asylum. I don't, I don't, I don't, I go there when I'm crazy. Because right. it, it makes me sane. Right. I don't need to to own a own a business or dedicate my entire life around Lord of the Rings. I, I feel like I, I should should try and dedicate. Oftentimes, what you're capable for and what your capacity is and the thing you feel like you're meant to do is something you don't want to do. Hmm. And so, I, I think that if we could maybe understand that these can be independent from each other, right. that what you're capable of and what you're responsible for can be something you do as a, as a way of life, whether or not it is a business format, a job, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Because if it really is part of your identity, something that's important, it should travel with you, whether you own a business, whether you work, you know, at, a, at Walmart, whether you yeah. do whatever it is that you do. Yeah. And I think the reason I'm passionate about trying to encourage this is that once you find out what that is, you really can operate in this actualized way. Right. Right. Because Absolutely. because you can you can go where you need to go and apply the same level of influence or you can apply maybe not the same level, but as a quality level of, of the influence you're trying to have at an intimate level or at scale or at whatever. And then if you leave or something changes, then you're that's still part of who you are. You know, something's part of your identity is is if, if everything else was taken was taken away from you, would it still be true? So I'll give you an example. As a parent, as a dad, if my children died, yeah. I would still be a I would still be a dad. Yeah. Would I be a dad in a in a literal sense in terms of like am I oper am I fulfilling the, a dad obligatory role of, of raising children? No. Yeah. But the way that I I think, the way that I try and help people, the way that I try and carry myself, the way I challenge my own behavior is filtered through this lens of how can I be a good dad? And that's not going to go away because that same level of social impact can just be reapplied somewhere else. Mm. Or I really like Lord of the Rings. Everyone in the world could hate it. Yeah. And I would still love Lord of the Rings. Right. I could never watch it again. I maybe don't even have the ability to. Yeah. I would still love Lord of the Rings. Yeah. And so I, I much rather people say, oh, well, I love baking bread. Okay, well, what if you can't own a business? Yeah. As a as a bakery, you should still bake. You should bread. still break bread. Yeah. You should still love that that thing that brings that you joy. Because that's different. Well, you should break bread with those that you bake bread with. There you go. There you go. Because well, I can say that ten times fast. I don't want to. <laughs> I, I just think people could be so you're liberal, saying, liberated yeah. of themselves. So if you're they, saying they change that, their expectations of materializing and manifesting what they right. what they love. Self-help books need to be more broad, but then are they less marketable? I don't read books for their marketability. Right. People write books like, for their marketability. What I'm saying, like, so I you wouldn't find that book necessarily as easily. You're right. If it doesn't have it's some, true. like, more. It's true. So business ownership is broad, but it's niche it's enough. It's still niche enough, yeah. To be like, this is going to help you do X, Y, and Z. Because it, if you qualify for it, this advice can help you. Totally. Which is probably why a lot of it 
trends that way is that if you qualify for these tips, they can help you. And, and there's something it's, that... a, it's an easy way to write something like that. It's like, I can write something that if people don't qualify for it, they're not going to get it, but it doesn't matter because I'm going for this group of people. And I do think there's something to be said about the fact that a lot of these principles, although they use use cases in business, can be applied. For example, a lot of the use cases of leadership are in the professional setting because when yeah. most people think of leadership and in most people's little piece of leadership that they have, right. that's applied in a professional setting. Right. However, that same leadership structure could be applied in your family, in your church, yeah. in your whatever. And I think if I could have one piece of, of tangible critique, it would be to maybe expand on the use cases right. of these books. A perfect book that does that is The One Thing by a counter, mm. Gary Keller. Gary Keller, I remember. Uh, it's the founder of Keller Williams, Williams Realty, which is why I was like, mm. uh, It's The One Thing. It's very expansive. A lot of the use cases are talking about businesses. But he also talks about a lot of examples of writers and of, you know, a writer was the one that stuck out to me, obviously. But business owners, they talk about personal life, spiritual life. A lot of different use cases were offered. And in the back of the book, actually, there's a whole list of how to use the one thing question, the one question to expand in areas of your marriage and your relationship with your kids and then also your business or your work or your you know your physical life all these things it's very it's very relatable to a wide set of people sure and i think i think i i, I maybe would take the five second rule off of my list of, of, the, of books that i think do this poorly because i think mel robbins does a great job in that in that context mm -hmm. of, of well, what about this? What about this? What about this? Five, four, three, two, one. Perfect. The whole point is that, and I think that I do think we are in a very, like you said, we are in a very material success driven society. Mm -hmm. I personally think that's a, a misdirection of, right. of people's intention. Why but, I suggest that every person watches the minimalism documentary at least one time in your life. It's on canopy. If you have a library card, you can access it. You need to actually finish yeah, it. If you have a library card. How many what percentage of the population do you think has a library card? I don't know. Is it lower than I'm thinking it is? How many do you think? How much what do you think? I'm thinking like seventy-five. Oh my friend, there's no way. No way, really? Seventy-five percent so of, easy. of the you United States. Sign a piece of paper yeah, but most people card. don't most people don't one stat that did impress me was the amount of adults that actually read a book every year. It's a that's, lot. That's like eight, right? Yeah, it's really high. Yeah. Let's see what. Let's see what, what the internet says. What percentage? How many percentages of those adults reading those books do you think it's Harry Potter again? <laughs> These things probably less. Yeah, true. But I was. I could talk I for was, an hour about why that. Right. Stuff. So I was talking to someone about it, someone other than you, because yeah. you know I like to get other perspectives because you and I tend to agree on a lot, as shown by the podcast, but. I was talking to someone else about it, and they were telling me that. Okay, you want to know the stat? Yeah, well, it's more than I thought. Less yeah. than you thought. Sixty-one percent of Americans age sixteen and older say they have a library card. That's really impressive. That's to me. pretty. Yeah. So I thought it was going to be like I, th I thought it was going to be like forty percent, thirty percent. I'm happy that it's above fifty. So. Forty percent. How many people use their library card? <laughs> How many people use their library card? Well. Because you can you can use your library card as a, I have two streaming services that I use my library card for, and I have a, a book service that gives me audiobooks and ebooks 
Yeah, my library card. I don't even have to leave and get to do this. And you can do so many things with a library card. I think everyone should just have their library card because True. you can access Canopy's documentaries, which are very valuable. You can access Hoopla, which has a whole Hoopla of things. <laughs> and then you can access Overdrive, which is just an amazing resource for books. But I'm also an ebook guy. Read a lot on that. Yeah, I've thought about, about getting like a book or something, but I like, I like having... I love that too. I grew True. up on that, but it's like, if I'm, if I'm not at a, I moved from apartments, right? Like I don't have a home. I'm not set right now and we're moving. So if I'm going to take books with me, why not just take them all? What's more important to have is that people take some time to read if they can. Yeah. I understand not everybody has that, you know, it's, it's crazy surprising how many people in the United States don't have the literacy to read a lot of the books that I've, I've even recommended is really kind of a failure of our society but if you do have that capacity um, I think that taking the time to sit down and read is something that people should do more of I think so many people consume books through the audiobook format and I love that and I think that's so great I, I think it's a really good thing because I think more people consume the, the value of these books now than ever before yeah, in ebooks too. but actually e-books probably too. ever before. So there's actually a statistic I hear a lot on this other podcast. It's like in 2012, more books were published in one year than in the entire history of humanity up to that point <laughs> because of the advent of like ebooks and stuff right. like that. And most author sales are moving more towards ebook and audiobook than makes actual print book, and it makes a lot of sense, but. I, I just I think always will have value for books. I think they're yes. amazing. Something about the taking this time to be focused and present with the things that you're actually reading. To it. Right. And I yeah, so for I, I've just read. like the intentionality of sitting down to watch a movie instead of sitting down to watch YouTube. There's something inherently right. deeper about that experience than there is about YouTube because with YouTube it's kinda like whatever's on, I'm gonna watch it. Right. If my favorite creator made a new video. I'll watch that regardless. But if you're sitting down to watch a movie and just be in that experience, it's the same kind of experience as sitting down to read right. a book. But the book lasts so much longer in a lot of cases, you know? Yeah, I think... It's I not think a two-hour experience. It's a two-hour experience every day for three weeks right. or something. You know, like, yes. well, that's a very large book. I was going to say, you get through a lot of books. I, I do read weeks. very large books. I read the Starlight Archive a lot, which is... They're 53-hour audiobooks. I, uh, one thing I, I wish I did better, I, I do think I have good balance audiobook. I usually am listening to a book and reading a book. That's kind of been a good balance for yeah. me. I, I finish the reading book usually faster because I actually prefer doing that. But, um, so you're not skipping back. So right, exactly. <laughs> um, but I almost, I almost um, wish I read more books for fun. Uh, like a lot of the books I read are uh, serious or yeah. about they're, they're nonfiction books or, right. or philosophy books, which while I adore them and they give me so much life, it's like I can only read meditation so many times yeah. before it's like, okay. I'll give you some before you leave today. Well, I, I got one on my list that I need to get to that is not one of those. So don't give me any more books. If you ever want me to read your book. <laughs> that's, yeah, that's true. Uh, Mine is less well written. But, that I would hit you. but if if you if you can 
read some actual tangible books. I think that's, that is, is something you should add to your, to your routine or to your system. At the end of the day, it's a great way to just read a book. Just enjoy it. And read a book you enjoy. Yeah. I think people try and force themselves to finish books they don't like. Yeah. I think a, a good book, you get a, one or two really good takeaways. Some books you get more. But See, I think that's some books fiction reader writes that I don't necessarily I think you get like great moments. Totally, but I, I would consider know. that a takeaway. You're taking away that moment, that memory, that yeah. moment, that, that. What what my point is is I like guess. you're right, in the nonfiction space, in the nonfiction space, if you're reading a book and you're like, I'm just not really resonating and you're halfway through the book, it's like I'm not saying there isn't something on the other half if you want to finish yeah. it for that reason, cool. We'll finish it. But just move on. Move on to Life another book. Life is too short to watch bad movies that you're not enjoying. There's a there's a place for bad movies that you enjoy laughing at, but life is too short to watch yeah, a bad movie. Have some good quality content in your life once in a while. Like our podcast. Yep. We gotta figure out an outro, dude. One, two. This podcast was produced by Obsessed Media, hosted by Brendan Shoemaker and Henry Young. If you'd like to hear more from us, suggest a topic, or support us in any way, our link tree is in the description down below. Have a great one.